Well, good morning, Santa Monica. It's uh, great to be with you this morning. I'm Pastor Suzanne, and let us listen together to our gospel reading for today from Luke 14, verses 1 and 7 to 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Evan got such a warm, hospitable welcome this morning as our new director of music. I was wondering if I could ask you, you thought you'd have the day off, to ask me the same questions that you asked Evan. so that these people, many of whom I don't know, will get to know me a little better. I was so comfortable over there. <laughs> this is a great idea. Okay, here we go. But you've had a chance to think about it a little bit. Is, does your car Well, have it a goes name? with the sermon. It's the perfect <laughs> intro to what I'm talking cool, about. Cool, cool. Uh, does your car have a name? Buttermilk Biscuit. Buttermilk Biscuit, mm -hmm. wow. How did that happen? <laughs> My friend, it's a white car, and when he first saw it, he called it the Easter Bunny. Then it morphed into Snowflake, and then we ultimately ended up with Buttermilk, Buttermilk Biscuit. Biscuit. All right, all right. Uh, so you can only listen to one song the rest of your life. Easy. Love Shack by the B-52s. <laughs> uh, do you love or hate sand? I love sand. Right. I love the beach. I love sand. Yeah, you're in a good place. Uh, have you ever met someone famous? Absolutely. 
I've met many of the LA Kings. I'm a huge oh. Kings fan. Luke Robitaille would probably be the one that you all know the most. Wow, and so the Kings, are they the one team that hasn't won a championship since I moved here in LA? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Okay. We'll, we'll work on that. But they did win two before you came, and I was at both of those games. So I got wow. to see it in person. Oh. Mm -hmm. All right, so if you could meet uh, one person in history other than Jesus, who would it be? That's where we come to today's sermon. And after I answer, you can go sit down again. <laughs> Without a doubt, it would be Princess Diana. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a complete Anglophile. I now have the privilege of having one of my best friends, Carrie Collard, who used to be a member of this church, living in England. And she and I both were massive Princess Diana fans when we were growing up. And in fact, she and I, the night that Princess Diana died, we were at um, the Theatricum Botanicum in Topanga. You all know that theater. And we had seen Richard Tyson, who was also a member of this church, in Night of the Iguana. And Carrie brought me home and dropped me off, and then she went home, and then my phone rang at like 12.30 at night, and she said, did you hear the news? And I said, I just saw you a half hour ago. What could have happened? And she said, Princess Diana has been in this crash in Paris, and I turned on the news, and... We all know what happened after that. And it seemed like a good time to bring this up. You get to know a little something about me, but I don't know if you're all aware that this weekend is the 25th anniversary of her death. You can go sit down now. Thank you. This weekend is indeed the 25th anniversary of her death. And when Tim asked me, maybe 10 days ago, if I could preach on a Sunday when he'd be here so he could hear me. I, he asked me for Labor Day, and I said, unfortunately, I'm going away with my friends that weekend. We go glamping now. We used to camp, but now we're too old for that, so we rent an Airbnb. Um, so I won't be here next week for communion, but I said I could do it on the 28th. And I'm like, that won't be a problem because I've been a pastor now for going on eight years and I'm sure I've preached on the passages that are in the lectionary for today. No, wrong. So I go back and I look through um, my previous sermons and there is nothing for today. And I'm like, okay, I guess we have to come up with something. So today's topic in the lectionary is an easy one that I barely need to even have a script for, and that's humility and hospitality. And Princess Diana exhibits, exhibited during her lifetime both of those things in massive amounts. We'll get back to that in a minute. But first, let's talk about this passage a little bit further. Now, it's set in the context of a meal. And eating, that most human and most necessary of activities, and all that we associate with meals are intertwined in our spiritual lives. So it's really not a big surprise that meals and food are really significant themes in the Bible. Indeed, scholars observe that meals are so important to Luke's gospel 
that it has more mealtime scenes than any other book of the Bible. It doesn't matter whether the eating happens at Emmaus or in the upper room or out in the fields along the road or in the home of a despised tax collector or even in the home of respectable religious leaders who invite Jesus to join them, such as Simon the Pharisee in chapter 7 and here in chapter 14 when this unnamed leader of the Pharisees who offers Jesus hospitality invites him for a Sabbath dinner. Now, this is Jesus' fourth and final Sabbath controversy story and his third and final healing story in the Gospel of Luke. Both this story and the healing of the woman in chapter 13, which I actually preached on last week when I was at Calvary Hawthorne, show that he was less concerned with the letter of the law and more concerned about loving God and your neighbor. In these instances, Jesus demonstrates his love by helping those in need, by serving, by giving backpacks like Peter mentioned to the kids. Okay, now how many of you, like me, enjoy going out to concerts and live theater and sporting events, or at least before COVID you did, you went out and you enjoyed going to things out in the world, okay? We all want, it's just inherent in our nature to have the best seats in the house, don't we? Okay, if you wanna go to Staples Center for hockey, the best seats in the house are not the lower bowl seats, or even the sweets. It's the 200 level. Trust me on this. You don't want to be up too high. You don't want to be too low. We all want those best seats. And when we're in board meetings, the boss always sits at the head of the table, flanked by her top lieutenants, and then key staff members sit at the table, and others sit at the back of the room. And you can walk in to a meeting like this and instantly know the ranking of people by where they're sitting, okay? Well, we see this same phenomenon at sporting events where the seats that are the best are usually closest to the action or in comfortable boxes elevated above everybody else, okay? A person with the right connections can get a good ticket but a person without any connections at all might not even be able to get in the building, right? Okay? We like the best seats because the view's better. But the appeal is more than just the view. It, it makes us feel good when we get to sit in these really best seats. And it shows everybody how important we are. Okay? Jesus' advice not to sit uninvited in this place of honor, restates the counsel of Proverbs 25, okay? It makes a lot of sense because assertiveness puts one at risk of embarrassment. We've seen assertive people grab honors and hang on to them through thick and thin, so aggressiveness has rewards as well as risks. But Jesus isn't telling us how to advance in the kingdom of this world, but is revealing how things work in the kingdom of God. 
It says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, that's the rule of life for Jesus' kingdom of God. A polar reversal that turns our familiar world upside down to reveal a world that has very different rules. Luke first introduced this in Mary's song, where he said, He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down princes. He's exalted the lowly, filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away with what? Emptiness. So by alerting us to this impending reversal, Jesus helps to prepare us for what life is going to be like in God's kingdom. A place that seems strange and also wonderful and also kind of a little bit scary and threatening. Just as we'd prepare for life in a foreign land, we'd learn the language, we'd learn the customs, much as you had to do when you went to France, I'm sure. Okay? We need to prepare for this kingdom by learning and following the rules of that kingdom. The kingdom becomes our present reality and not just a future hope when we acknowledge God as king and live by those kingdom rules. Okay? Now Jesus turns his attention to the host, the Pharisee. People are inclined to invite those who can return the favor, okay? Those who have something to offer in return. Jesus warns the host, and indeed us also, not to invite the four groups of people, brothers, relatives, rich neighbors, other family members, that he would enjoy the most, but tells him to invite the four groups of people, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, that he would enjoy the least. Note that the crippled, lame, and blind constitute a group of outsiders who are forbidden to serve as priests because of their physical imperfections. Jesus advises us against inviting these favored people in case they might return the favor and pay us back. If we instead invite non-favored persons, we're going to be blessed, he says, because they don't have the ability to repay us. For you will be repaid in the resurrection of the righteous. In other words, if the kids take the, back, the backpacks to Upward Bound, they're not going to get money for them. They're not going to get replacement for the things that, they were put, things that were put in those backpacks. They're going to get repaid at a later time. They're giving in service not expecting anything in return. Now, Jesus advises against inviting favored people, and we're supposed to invite these non-favored people. Can you imagine if the Pharisee had invited the gentleman in that started um, talking outside, that several people went out to try to um, not disrupt the rest of the church service? Let's pretend that he had been invited to this wedding banquet instead of one of the 
best friends of the host. Pretty shocking, okay? This passage is really reminiscent of all these other reward passages. For example, in Matthew, where they say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. For if you love people who love you, what reward is there in that? The tax collectors can do that. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing back, and your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind toward the unthankful and the evil. So Jesus isn't encouraging everybody to just do remote charity by writing out a check and mailing it in, but instead calling us to invite the poor and the disenfranchised to sit at the table, one of the most intimate places in our home. And indeed, next week, pay attention to the language that Tim uses for the invitation to the Lord's Supper, because it's really important to him and me that everyone be included, including that guy that came and attempted to disrupt the service. Everyone, okay? The lesson is very clear. God calls us to these kingdom values and blesses us when we seek to please God rather than others, okay? Anyone, however, who spent a little time wandering around a bookstore has noticed that there's a bunch of books about how to get ahead, make it to the top, to succeed, be recognized and rewarded, okay? I don't think one of these books advises the reader to make a habit of seeking the margins, the lowest places of invisibility and inconsequence, far from the important action. How can we make a mark in the world from way out there? Well, on the one hand, there's that shelf of books telling us how to get ahead, but there's also books that teach us how to find inner peace and wholeness and wellness, how to relax, how to enjoy fulfilled, happy lives. Okay? I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to skip to my conclusion about Princess Diana. Now, when I think of humility and hospitality, there's one person who comes to my mind that embodied both of those virtues and qualities, and it just so happens that this is the 25th anniversary of her death. She sat at the highest place in the tables she graced. We might think that she would have been one of those people who chose to remain in her own circle of privilege and comfort. But she was a woman who understood deeply what it means to be a blessing to others and what it means to love the strangers in our lives, not from afar, but by sitting right down next to them. In addition to the traditional royal causes she championed, she worked with and for all of those people in need, those who most people would have avoided, like amputees from landmine strikes. 
She understood Jesus' instructions about whom to invite to one's table. Her courage and generosity of spirit when she worked in the 80s as an advocate for gay men with HIV and AIDS while others stayed away out of fear. Remember, she went and she held their hands and touched them, and people thought she was crazy, completely nuts. She never failed to go out there and hold the hands of the people she comforted. And what made her so unusual and such an inspiration was because those she served were so unlike her, so far away from her own setting, like privilege and class and wealth. She evoked the heart of Jesus' advice to his dinner host, for she didn't shy away from areas where polite society didn't go. Now, I'll end with asking you all a question that I'd like you to take home with you today. Evan said when he was answering Tim's questions that what he loved about this church and was looking forward to the most is that we ask hard questions. We're not afraid to bring up topics that are difficult. My question to all of you is, how can we be hospitable and humble Christians in Santa Monica in this day and age when virtually every week at our church or some other, there are interruptions from the outside world? Do we just shut our doors completely and tell them they have to go away? Or are we caring and hospitable to them in whatever way we can be without still uh, endangering our people and our property? That's a tough question and one I'd like you all to ponder. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you this day for this scripture passage, for our ability to grapple with these issues of humility and hospitality. Please help us to live Jesus' words. If we are kingdom people, we have to follow kingdom rules. Those rules are so different than what we're used to. Help us, Lord, enable us to be the kind of people you would have us be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.